If you will, please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, I believe the passage can be found on page 979 in the Bibles and the chair backs in front of you. Our verse of study will be verse 15, but to understand the context here about the spiritual armor of God, we'll read verses 10 to 18. This is God's holy, inerrant, and authoritative word to us this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith with which Extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. This is God's Word to us this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this very unique passage to the Christian faith, about this equipment, about this armor that you have given us to help us in the Christian life. Lord, help us to see how important it is, this spiritual battle against the forces of evil, that we take up this armor, and that we be ready, and that we look to Christ. And so, Lord, help us now as we apply these truths to our Christian lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Perhaps nothing has changed more rapidly and become more advanced in the last 30 years than the shoe industry. I mean, think about it. Shoes are very important to us. We have a shoe for everything. I mean, how many parents, how many of you parents this morning told your kids, hey, go put on your church shoes, you know, to get ready for church? Not your basketball shoes, not your school shoes, not your flip-flops. Go put on your, your church shoes. And they knew exactly what you were talking about. Uh, everybody's going, yes, that's exactly what my mom said this morning. Or your wife. (laughs) Another really important part of the shoe industry is the athletic shoes. We have athletic shoes for everything. I mean, every single sport, athletic activity you could think of, there is a shoe for it. As of 2015, two years ago now, the the athletic shoe industry was over a... $17 $17 billion a year industry. $17 billion. That's, and that's just in the United States, not throughout the world. But why is so much money? Why, why so much effort? Why so much focus put into athletic shoes? 
because as we all know, especially those of you who like to walk or play sports, that the right shoe, the right equipment makes the athlete more capable to perform and more able to perform what task he has on the field or the court or wherever. I've always loved and still do love athletic shoes. There's nothing like getting that new box open and that new shoe smell. And my favorite pair of shoes of all time were, when I was a kid, were my Reebok pumps. Did anybody have Reebok pumps? Yes, amen, brother, I see that hand. These were amazing. They had a little basketball on the, on the tongue of the shoe, and you, you air it up, and it just form-fitted form around your shoe. I mean, this was, in the, this was in the 80s. This was like really advanced technology. So I never felt more, more secure, more able to run faster and jump higher than when I was in sixth grade airing up those Reebok pumps. They really did provide great support. I thought about ordering a pair to show you all this morning, but they're like $200 now, so no thank you. <laughs> but it's the, same, it's the same in battle. It's the same in the Christian life. A, a soldier ill-equipped with proper footwear will be unable to stand, unable to endure, unable to perform, unable to fight without a proper foundation which starts with the feet and the right footwear on the feet. And that leads to the third piece of equipment that the Apostle Paul is talking about that the Christian soldier must put on here in verse 15. Part of the spiritual armor are these battle shoes that are fitted to the feet of the Christian soldier. And so in verse 15, Paul states, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I love the way the King James Version says this. I'm not sure anybody ever knew what this meant, but it really sounds cool. Your feet shod with the preparation of peace. We don't say that word shod anymore. It means just put them on, strap them on. Feet shod with the preparation of peace. So as part of uh, his equipment... The, the ancient Roman soldier that we think Paul probably has in mind was some sort of, kind of like a half boot, okay? It, it was not fully a boat boot like we would think of today, but this boot was more than likely an open-toed leather shoe, and it was heavily studded with, with nails on the sole, and then it would have straps that would wrap around the ankle and the shins, and it would be tied together. I wonder if those will ever come back in style. You know, shoes always come back in style. <laughs> um, but th these were not running shoes. Uh, they were certainly not as advanced as things that we have today. But they were, in ancient times, footwear designed for battle. Again, you wouldn't go running in them. But imagine in ancient times when ancient armies would assemble to fight against each other, to attack each other. Uh, oftentimes, what would be what would it be would just be large masses of soldiers, mar large masses of human pressing together, pushing on one another, trying to gain the upper hand. And so, these shoes, this proper footwear, was designed for for marching and stability, 
And they could give a soldier the upper hand in combat if he had the right shoes. If you will, these, these boots were probably the equivalent to football cleats. Perhaps something like a, a lineman would wear. The soldier would wear them to give them firm footing in the attack in battle. Could you imagine an offensive lineman trying to defend the quarterback or trying to attack the quarterback in flip-flops? <laughs> he wouldn't get very far. He wouldn't be of any use. He would immediately be defeated. So a soldier or football player's firm footing, there, there's, with firm footing, there's little chance that the enemy can gain the upper hand and knock them back. Rather, with the right foundation, with the proper footing, we're ready to attack and advance in battle. And again, it's the same in the Christian life, remembering that we are daily in a spiritual battle against the forces of evil. It is paramount that we have a good foundation, that our feet are fitted with shoes that are ready for gospel ministry. And so in order to stand and fight the spiritual battles of life, we're going to need the right equipment, and we're going to need all of this equipment, the whole armor of God, not just some of it, all of it, and this third piece of equipment after the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness are these shoes for the feet that are ready to share the gospel of peace. And so let's try to understand what the Apostle Paul is talking about here for the, these shoes for readiness that we're to put on our feet. We're going to look at just three key words to try to grasp what he's getting at here. We're going to look at feet. Sounds gross, doesn't it? We're going to look at the gospel, and we're going to look at peace. First is the feet. Now, I'll be honest with you. Verse 15, I could read... 20 different English translations right now, and they're all going to sound different because for hundreds of years, translators have struggled exactly with what to say here, what the Apostle Paul was, what was he trying to communicate to the Ephesian Christians here? What he is trying to say does not exactly translate well into English, but probably in ancient times, the Ephesians probably knew exactly what he was talking about here. But we have to struggle a little bit to understand what he means here by these feet being ready, these shoes for the feet. And so this is why it's important for us to understand context when we're reading and studying the Bible. From the context here, we know we're talking about spiritual warfare. We know we're talking about spiritual armor, the armor of God. And so we know that the Apostle Paul is talking about something here in this category. And so the literal Greek words of these, this verse, we can look at it and know, well, we know the apostle's talking about feet, and we know he's saying to put something on, and we know he's talking about equipment, which indicates a soldier being ready. All of those things appear here. And so this expression is, is unique. It's, it's quite different. Paul's employing some type of metaphorical expression when he speaks of the Christian soldier's feet being fitted, being ready for the gospel of peace. This language was most likely borrowed from Isaiah 52, the good news that Pastor Russ read about this morning when it says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. So we have this idea here of the, of the feet moving forward, the 
the, the soldier, the, the, the evangelist, the, the Christian moving, sharing, publishing salvation, saying, your God reigns, Isaiah said. And so in essence, what Paul is saying here uh, is that those who are ready for the battle are to put on the armor of God and they're to have the right footwear that enables them to stand, that enables them to be prepared, that makes them ready for spiritual warfare and being ready to share the good news of the gospel of peace. And so what is this footwear composed of? I mean, we know as we talk about the belt of truth, when we talk about the breastplate of righteousness, he's not talking about literal pieces of equipment. He's using these as metaphors, as illustrations, for us to understand these truths, these graces of the Christian life. And so what is Paul talking about here, about this footwear? How does it provide stability? How does it prepare us for the Christian life? And so let's move to the next word here, and that word is the gospel. Thinking back to our sports illustrations and our shoes and golf and boxing and football and life and everything without proper footing, without proper footwear, without a sure foundation, we'll have no power, no strength to endure, no strength to engage in battle for the Christian. And so what is to be this foundation of our Christianity? What is to be the, the foundation, this proper footing of our walk with Christ? What is, the, what is the footwear that we must put on? What is it composed of? And Paul says, the gospel. It is the gospel. The idea is that we are to be ready, we're to be on our toes, ready to move and proclaim the gospel. We do not go out into battle seeking to take others down and just kill them. In a sense, we're going out into the battle of the Christian life to share the gospel. Yes, we're trying to defeat the forces of evil in the strength of the Lord and in His might, but at the same time, we're trying to convert those who do not know Jesus by proclaiming to them the gospel of peace. The gospel is our sure footing, especially when we appropriate it to our lives. And we proclaim it to others. And so just to be clear, what is this gospel, this good news that Paul is talking about here? We can describe it and talk about it in so many ways, but let's use the language that the apostle already has in Ephesians. Just flip back a few chapters to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, I think are some of the most poignant foundational expressions of the gospel, but let's just look at verses 1 through 6 of Ephesians chapter 2. Here it is. Here's the gospel. And you were dead. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among those whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Do you see those forces of evil there? The world, the flesh, the devil. But God. But God, being 
rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. There it is. There's the gospel. You were dead in your sin. And God made you alive in Christ. He saved you by his grace. This is the great news. This is the gospel. By grace we have been saved from the power of Christ. We've been delivered from the forces of evil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And by mercy and by the love of Jesus, he has saved us. This is the sure foundation. This is the the footing that we have to have. This is the, the feet shod to our to our. This is the the armor, the battle shoes shod to our feet. This is the sure foundation. All other ground, all other footwear is sinking sand. All other footwear that we seek to put on in the spiritual life, in the spiritual battle, if it's not the gospel, it's worthless. It's like wearing those cheap 99 cent rubber flip-flops from Walmart that are good for like going to the shower twice and that's it. They're no use in spiritual warfare. Is this you? Is this you? Are you trying to live the Christian life with these flimsy, worthless flip-flops as your footing? Are you, is your flimsy footing, is it yourself? Is it your political party? That's, is that your firm footwear? Is it secular humanism, moral relativism, and any other type of ism that we could try to put our hope in? Or even worse, and here's one we don't talk about much. Is that flimsy foundation, that flimsy footing, is it apathy? Is it apathy? You just don't care that spiritual warfare just is not important to you? Because if if this is you, you will be defeated without a sure foundation. And that sure foundation is the rock-solid foundation of the gospel. That is what Jesus meant. That is what he said when we must build our lives on the rock. He is the rock. All other ground is sinking sand. This is the spiritual lesson being communicated to us here. It's this. The gospel of peace. It is the sure foundation. It is that immovable footing that enables us to stand firm in spiritual battles. But there's more. Let's look at peace. Paul says this footwear, these battle shoes, they're the gospel of peace. One of the most important things you can know about any type of athletic contest or 
any type of athletic exercise you're taking, taking part in, or even just walking. All the great trainers will teach you it's most important that you're up on the balls of your feet. You're up on your toes when you're ready to do that athletic performance or when you're ready to fight. And so we're up on our toes, we're up on the balls of our feet, and our feet are fitted with the sure foundation of the gospel. We're ready to go into battle. We're ready to share this good news. And so what is our message? What are we trying to communicate in the spiritual battles of life? It is this. Peace. Peace. That Hebrew word, shalom. Shalom, the idea of peace, the shalom, it's at the heart of the Bible. Shalom is an experience of deep satisfaction and completeness. Every time Jesus healed someone, every time Jesus rescued someone, every time Jesus called someone out of darkness and into the light, this would be a demonstration of shalom. Deep, abiding, spiritual peace. Because this peace that we're talking about, it's a divine work. It's a work of God. It's peace that is brought about by the Prince of Peace. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you talking about the peace of Christ. We talk a lot about grace. We're saved by grace. Grace is the source of our salvation. It's how we're saved, by God's free, unmerited love. But let's talk more about peace, because peace is the the nature of our salvation. If we've been saved by grace through faith in Christ, we now have peace with God. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We must understand that there is a need for this peace because of sin. We need peace because of sin. We are enemies of God because of our sin. Because of our sin, there's No peace with man and God. But in Christ Jesus, Christ being our substitute for us, we can have peace with God. The wrath of God is no longer against those who trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. This is the great news of the gospel. That in Christ, we now have peace with God. Don't you want to share that with everyone? Is that not the best news you've ever heard? Is that not the the footwear to make us run headlong into the battle knowing that we have peace? Yes, life is a battle. Yes, there are those who don't want to hear this message of peace. We must remember for ourselves, and we must remember as we share with others, 
that life apart from Christ, it's restless, it's peaceless. And everyone feels this way to some degree. Everyone has this experience. And so we'll do anything we can. The dumbest of things we will do to find peace. We'll fight, quarrel, protest, binge watch TV. I don't know. We all have this restlessness. Pastor Kent Hughes describes this restlessness. He says this. He says, for some, it manifests itself in a general sense of alienation. Just want to go be by ourselves. With others, it's a raging awareness that their life is not right. Some pursue peace with a passive desperation, longing for it to somehow just come to them. They may go wild in pursuit of it, hoping it will come through money or sex or the accumulation of knowledge or religious exploration, but all they ever find is temporary relief. Peace is an ever-receding mirage to them. But to those who have peace with God, and to those who know the peace of God, And this truth is what is fitted to our feet as shoes for the battle. Makes us powerful soldiers in this spiritual battle. No matter how much the forces of evil rage on, we are able to stand our ground and know the peace of Christ. Do you know this peace? Do you know this gospel of peace? It is the sure foundation. It is the equipment for our feet to give us this sure footing and readiness to take the gospel message into the battle, to take the gospel message straight to the face of Satan himself and say, do your worst. Because you can do nothing. Because I have the Prince of Peace on my side. And we are ready to run into the battle against the forces of evil with this gospel of peace that the Prince of Peace gives us. But least we forget, least we forget all that Christ has done for us, there is a meal of peace before us. A celebration meal. That peace has been brokered between God and man because the Lamb of God was sacrificed. And in the Passover, the blood of the goats and the lambs was placed over the door frames of the Hebrews' homes. And the angel of death passed over, likewise, the blood of Christ has brokered peace between God and man. His wrath has passed over us. And we have been reconciled to him. And therefore Christ, he himself, is our peace. Praise God for this gospel of peace. May our hearts, may our minds, may our lives be consumed with it. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for this great message of the gospel of peace, this sure foundation, this this footwear that helps us to stand, that helps us to endure in the strength of your might, not in ourselves, but in what Christ has done for us on the cross. And so, Lord, continually remind us of that. Lord, help us to continually put off any other footwear, any other foundation that is sinking sand, that is flimsy and worthless. And help us to look to the Prince of Peace and His gospel, the sure foundation. In His name we pray. Amen.